is vital. Vital advice for your everyday life. Okay, I've opened myself a can of AHA so that we don't repeat the same um, energy jink mistake that we had last week. But, um, God, Graham, we're going right for the microphone every time. Good Lord. Okay, say hello. Just say hello so we can move on. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. All right, I love you. Bye-bye. Okay, so, guys, we're just starting off real strong, aren't we? This week, I have been planning for almost an entire month everything that I want to talk about. And I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how I'm going to be structuring how I live happily. So there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get into this one episode. So I'm going to try to uh, move along as quickly as I can. Before I do that, uh, if you like this podcast, please follow. Please like share it with whoever that you think might like this type of podcast as well. I really do appreciate everyone who has followed. I do see everyone that is listening across the world. I I do appreciate everyone that listens because I almost feel like this is turning into a conversation that I'm having with people that I've never met before. And I really like that. Okay, so let's get into it. Here is the secret to being happy now. Remember, we're all going to die. (laughs) Were you expecting it to be that weighty? (laughs) But really, though, like, listen, we're all going to die. Why are you waiting to be happy later? And on top of that, if we're all going to die, there are certain things that you need to remove from your life now. So that this moment, the important one, while you're alive, can be at its most optimal level of happiness, right? Okay, so that's the secret. I'm going to lay the foundation of what that secret is founded in for me and why I discovered it and why I I honestly think this is the secret to happiness. As like morbid as it sounds, it really is. And then I'm going to give you my plan on how I am maintaining my happiness every day and plan to in the future. There are several steps to this and I will break them down for you. But first, let's lay the foundation of what this secret actually means. So this idea has come from someone who I really admire, Andy Puttycomb, who is Headspace, if anyone knows about that app and about his program of doing mindful meditations. He used to be, um, I think, a Tibetan monk for a while, and he just has these great ways of looking at our life now. And his quote that just has always stood out to me is, in this moment exists our entire lives. The idea that there is no past to live right now and there's no future to live right now. All we have is this moment. It is now to be happy. 
all we have is now to be happy. So when I have that idea of the idea that life is so short and all I have is this moment, there's no past and there's no future, I kind of had this thought of, well, if that's true, then fuck FOMO. Because there are so many days that I have had in my life that I can recall that have gone by so fast, but they were filled with something so amazing. It could have been a span of years in that one day or in a couple of days. I, I went this past fall with my best friend to Sleepy Hollow, New York and Salem, Massachusetts to do a spooky tour for October. And there were so many things that we experienced and we were so happy and we were doing our best to enjoy the time that we had together because we live in different states that that moment that I lived was so full of wonderful memories that I can hold dear now. And I would want that if I could choose every day to be filled with that level of just full, fulfilled, fun, enjoyable, happy days. I want more days like that. And I want less days like I had years ago when I went on a trip to Japan with my friends and I was so caught up and the fact that the time I was dating Flyboy, if you remember Flyboy from the past episode, you would know that the disaster of that relationship was just waiting to happen. And it was the first time I had left him and I was going away and we had just become long distance. And I spent that entire trip wondering, why isn't he texting me? Why didn't he call me today? Shouldn't he be attempting to contact me, his girlfriend? Girl, you're in Japan. There was a lantern festival that we went to and I didn't even want to take a single picture. There were, I went to Osaka, I went to Kyoto, I went to all these really cool historic places and I was so fucking caught up in a part of the world where I wasn't even at. I wasn't in the same place as Flyboy. I should have been living up the moment I was in. And I regret that to this day. I could have had such a full, fulfilling time there. So it's all well and good for me to say, hey, I wanna be happy now, this is all we have. But how do we do that? So that's where my plan of execution comes in that I was talking about earlier. There are several steps to this. The very first step, though, is rooted in a psychologist and neuroscientist research. And that is <clears throat> know what happiness is to your brain type and how to enhance it based on that knowledge. What are brain types you might be asking? Well, here is some info for you. So I did some research and I discovered this amazing psychologist and neuroscientist that I mentioned in last week's episode, Dr. Daniel Amens, who has thousands of brain scans that he now uses as an example of a framework of how every person on this planet can be happy and happy now. Doesn't that just sound like everything 
like on a silver platter just like handed to you in one fine book like I was I just ate this book up which is why I postponed this episode because I just I couldn't get enough his idea in these books is the idea that first of all groundbreaking on the fact that he believes that happiness doesn't look the same for every brain type quick pause let's talk a little bit about these brain types. I'm not going to actually give you a chapter of his book. I think if you're really interested in this topic, you should read it and understand it because he not only gives ideas for people who have this brain type, but it also gives anyone who is a friend or is in a relationship advice on how to interact with that brain type to your best advantage and understand it so that you can love them better. I love it. Recommend it. But The idea of these brain types is that you have five baseline brain types, okay? Five baseline brains. You have a balanced brain, that's type one. You have a spontaneous brain, which is where the frontal lobe he describes is sleepy or has lower activity. Then followed by that is a persistent brain type where the frontal lobe and I think the cingulate gyrus has a higher activity. Then you have brain type four where the limbic system, um, which is where your emotions are mainly triggered, is overactive. And then you have brain type five, which is cautious. And this is usually the brain type of those uh, type of people who have had trauma, like really extreme trauma in their life. And from those baseline five brains, you can have a mixture up to 16. There is an online test that you can take to kind of get a better idea based on your personality because as he discovered in his in his work that certain brain types tend to have the same type of personalities or at least similar habits based on what their brain is telling them to do. Because if you understand how different parts of the brain are reacting to their environment, then you understand that someone who has a sleepy frontal cortex is going to have less inhibition and need more, what's the word, more novelty in their life, whereas someone who's more persistent needs to have the idea and needs to have better structure and things like lists make them happy. Like that's like, it all makes sense. Where I'm going with this is If your happiness looks different from someone else's, then I would wager it's probably time to stop taking advice from other people on how to be happy. And it's probably time for you to stop giving opinions on why someone's happiness should be the same as yours. Leave it alone. It looks different for everyone. And if they don't have the same idea of what makes you happy, like how how many people more than likely someone at your workplace has said, you don't look happy. You probably should change up your schedule. You should change up how you do things. Well, that's well and good for a brain type two type of happiness, but a brain type three, the persistent brain type, that is going to make them so anxious because they need that structure and that structure actually helps them stay happy. But for a brain type two, the the spontaneous, the structure makes them feel so bored because there's no novelty. So that is why it is important to understand what kind of brain type you have so that you have the best advantage at being happy. 
because you will know what happiness means to you and you'll also know why certain things don't make you happy so you can stop pursuing them and you also know what part of your brain needs to be stimulated through either neurotransmitters or through, uh, I think he calls them nutraceuticals, which are just like supplements, to balance out your brain and have the best advantage for your day. Like, this is groundbreaking. Can you hear in my voice how passionate I am about this? Like, this is like, I have been working so hard on my brain health in the past month. I have seen huge leaps and bounds in the way that I conduct myself on a daily basis. And I have an actual tangible feeling. Well, I guess it can't actually be tangible. (laughs) I get, what's the word I'm looking for? I have an actual recognizable change and the way that I feel every day because I tend to focus on negative things and maintain depression in my body. So I had to take supplements to help balance that part of my brain. And now I am a much happier person by choice. So this is actually segueing right into the second part of his new book that I was studying. Uh, It's called You Happier, by the way, if anyone's uh, curious. And that is, even though you have an idea that different brain types have different ideas of what makes them happy. There are still just like fundamental as humans, things that we can do to maintain happiness in our body. And he breaks those down into seven steps. One of those steps is know your brain type. So like we already got one down. Um, The other six are things like, hold on, let me grab my phone so I can read them off to you. Okay. So two is optimize the physical functioning of your brain. Three, nourish your unique brain. Four, choose foods that love you. Wait, no. Choose foods you love that love you back. Five, master your mind and gain psychological distance from the noise in your head. And then six, which is my favorite, notice what you like about others more than what you don't. And then seven, live each day based on your clearly defined values, purpose, and goals. All seven of these steps are valuable, important ways of maintaining our happiness. But I want to focus on number six in this podcast specifically, which is to notice what you like about others more than what you don't. Another way of saying this statement is to say, you'll get more out of what you pay attention to. So kind of similar to how animals realize that they get treats when they do certain behaviors. And that's why we're able to train dogs to sit, how we're able to train um, sea lions to clap on cue. It's because they know certain behaviors get them certain things. And so if you're paying attention to so many negative things, like with your children or with your spouse or with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, more than likely they are going to know that gets attention from you, whether they realize it or not. They know that's what gets your attention. But if you are the type of person that notices more of the things that you like, how much better will your life be for the subconscious people to realize you actually react and give attention to that person when they're doing something you like? It's brilliant. It's so like, it's so small, but it's life-changing. So the next step in my plan is still related to this book when I'm telling you that it is life-changing, I'm telling you the truth. 
when you're about to do something, ask yourself, does my behavior match my values, purpose, and goals? Does my behavior reflect my values, purpose, and goals? Because if it doesn't, maybe it's time to change them up. If anyone here has seen The Office, there's an episode where Dwight, I think he he says something along the lines of, before I do anything, I ask myself, would an idiot do that? And if the answer is yes, then I don't do that thing. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of the same spirit <laughs> in its construction. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this idea has very much inspired me my behaviors are far too stuck on the negative. My behaviors are far too stuck on noticing the things I don't like over the things I do like and realizing that I get more attention from people when I have some sort of negative or upset behavior in front of them. I don't want that anymore, though. I would like to be someone that is such a positive and uplifting person for them in their life that that's what I get attention for. So I feel like I can safely move on to the next step in the plan. The next step in the plan is Grim to stop using her scratching post so that I can talk on my podcast. How about that, Kat? The next step is stop investing into the emotional bank accounts of people who are not investing in you. What this is, is actually an analogy that I got from a friend who talked about how in relationships, there's deposits and there's withdrawals that you make. This idea of investing in a relationship as an actual financial idea, I feel like gives a really good image to you of when it's time to cut your losses, right? So if you're investing dollar, $20, $30, maybe 50 cents, then another dollar, $2. You are giving heavy investments into this person's emotional bank account. This is the relationship investment fund, okay? So now they're rolling in the dough in their emotional bank account, but you're only getting pennies back from them into your bank account and now you have the equivalent of what would maybe be a dollar in pennies what are you actually getting from that relationship i am now paying way more attention to people's emotional investment into my bank account and if i'm not seeing the same level at least of investment then i'm not investing in them anymore because i'm valuable and I am worth way more than a penny. My friendship, my emotions, my love is worth way more and it's worth investing in. And I am not going to waste any more emotional funds on someone who is just going to fill up their bank account and not give anything back. Because a penny, that's one cent. That's nothing. How many pennies do you have just rolling around at like the bottom of your purse or in your car that you don't give a shit about? I'm not a penny. I'm worth way more than that. My next step is stop waiting for people to be ready for you because baby, we don't have that kind of time. 
And I mean this in a, a romantic perspective. Because I'm single, this is just one of my secrets to happiness. If you have someone that's in your life that is healthy and wonderful and supportive, you can ignore this. But for those of us that don't, this is an important step and it is crucial to your happiness. You don't have that kind of time to wait for someone to change because the possibility of that change is not only minuscule, it's a waste of your energy. When your energy only exists in the right now, there is no idea of the future energy. It's all what you have right now, baby. So you can't be committed to a future them. You are committed to the them that's in the now. Is that commitment that you have now enough for your happiness? Is it even a commitment? Because I know in my experience, there are men in my life and men who have been in my life who do not want to commit to me in a romantic sense, but don't want to lose me. I don't have that kind of time to wait around for you to figure out whether or not you want to be with me. I am not waiting for you to be ready. I only have now. So if you're not ready now, I'm out. So I know that the biggest fear for me at least, when I came up with the idea of stop waiting around for people to be ready because I don't have time, was that initial reaction of, but what if I end up alone? Because there's that idea, I don't know if anyone listening has seen the movie, He's Just Not That Into You, where she's on the phone call with the guy and he says, stop going out with guys that don't like you. And she responds with, but then there won't be anyone left. It's so relatable. (laughs) This is the thought that I had in response to my own thought of, but what if I end up alone? You need to ask yourself and really choose, would you rather die alone or live miserable? Because if you don't cut out whatever it is that you're afraid of that will make you end up alone, possibly, you have no proof of that, by the way. But if you don't cut that out or at least reduce contact for your own health, you're choosing misery as your companion until death because you can't choose when you're going to die. You don't really know. Is that what you want for your companion for the foreseeable future? Misery? I don't. Let me tell you something. I'm done, bro. Like that... I'm not wasting my time and I am not being miserable for the rest of my whatever days that I have. I'm not interested in that. No, thank you. So um, the next step, naturally, I'm just obsessed with dating. What can I say? I have nothing else in my life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this is this is wasn't important for me because I do feel like my dating habits do affect a lot of my life. Um, and that is, I'm avoiding in my dating life, anyone that tries to future trip me. This is a term that I'm getting from someone else, but I feel like it is very valid to use based on my experiences. The idea of future tripping is when you are dating someone or at least gone on a single date or even before that, (laughs) they try to put you in, into a future scenario you're not ready for yet. 
Uh, in fact, let me just give you an example from my own life. I was on Tinder and I matched with this guy and the conversation was at least decent. He asked me a few questions and it finally got to the on, it got onto the topic of the fact that I speak Korean and he is half Korean. So instead of, you know, asking me out to go on a date because we had not met yet to possibly a Korean restaurant, which I think would be a fine, uh, like a fun segue. He instead said, <clears throat> and I quote, my mom is going to love you. This says to me that he's not thinking about the me now that he's talking to. He's thinking about a very future me who is meeting his mother. He's not thinking about the me now who is trying to see if he wants to even go on a date with. Like, we haven't even gone on a date, man, and now I'm going to meet your mom? Like, that's future tripping. I'm not there yet. I am in the now, and the now is what I care about. So stop trying to think about what could be happening in, like, months to years from now. He also uh, talked about how I'm going to be close to where he goes to school and that he could visit me. But... It's about to be summertime. That's months from now. I don't even know if I want to go on a date with you, dude, let alone get into a relationship with you that would lead to you visiting me. That's just, no. <laughs> like, worry about the now. I am not going to future trip. I am only going to look at what I'm dating and what I'm dating now. Okay? Okay, next secret of happiness. Stop wasting time on things that do not bring you long-term value. This is an idea I got from Dr. Amund's again, but I'm using an example that I see in a lot of my friend groups. I have friend groups that really value drinking alcohol every weekend and getting just so wasted, man. Oh yeah, Friday night, let's get lit. Let's drink an entire bottle of Hennessy by myself. That's your Jack. You finish that shit. That's fun. But what that actually is doing is hurting your pleasure sensor. So next weekend, you're going to have to work 10 times harder to maintain that pleasure effect from the alcohol. And it's just going to escalate from there. That's not long-term happiness. That is short-term pleasure. And that is not something I'm interested in. And on top of that, once you get so wasted on Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, you have to spend sleeping and getting over a hangover. So you can't really go out and do anything. Those are your precious days off from working at the grind, man. Like, why are you wasting it being in an inebriated state and hurting your pleasure sensors, which is just going to make it harder for you to enjoy it next weekend? I feel like that is, I don't know why this is so gratifying for anyone. I don't think, honestly, let's talk about happiness and gratification. What is the difference between those things? Because they are different, okay? Not happiness and gratification, pleasure and gratification. Oftentimes when we are seeking happiness, we think that we need to seek pleasure, but what we're actually needing to be happy is gratification. Pleasure is that feeling when you have a new favorite song and you play it over and over 
and over until you play it to death and you can't even stand to hear the first like two beats of the song because you're so sick of it or when you have that like hyper fixation meal that um everyone talks about on tiktok where it's like after like the fifth day by the time you smell it you're just like i'm so done with this i need a new hyper fixation meal that just brings me pleasure that's what pleasure is it is instant gratification and it gets boring fast that's not going to bring you happiness what you need is gratification gratification is work that is it makes me think of when i was a figure skater when i was a kid when i was a figure skater as a kid we had levels that you had to go to and you had to test into different categories in figure skating in order to compete in a different category and once you passed different steps, you felt so proud of yourself because you worked for that bitch. That was something that you did. And it was a goal you could set that was in a foreseeable future that then gave you gratification because you knew you could succeed at it and you had to work for it. And then there will be another step that's different that you will now work for and will give you gratification. It is something that is ever changing and ever adapting, but so fulfilling. So where is your happiness coming from, bitch? You need to actually be looking for things that give you gratification, setting goals. This podcast, I do it every weekend. This comes out on Thursday, but during my weekend, I work so fucking hard on this podcast because it's going to give me gratification when Thursday comes. This podcast brings me long-term value. That is what we want, bitch. And just side note for everyone out there who is thinking that a relationship will make you happy. The relationship will not make you happy. That's why it's important to pick your partners because it's the people that you are going to go through challenges with that will stick it out with you. That is what's going to make you happy in a relationship. And baby... I'm just saying, challenges are what makes your partner look really sexy. So that's what I'm looking for. I want gratification, not pleasure. That sounds wrong. I actually do want pleasure. Just like in the right doses. Anyway. Um, okay, the next, <laughs> the next step to happiness. Oh, Baby, the next one, ooh, I think it is so important. I see this all the time with people that I really love and I do it myself. I like, I want to give you an example of like, just like a two week ago moment where I had success FOMO. And this is the idea of stop benchmarking your happiness. I'll be happy once I lose 10 pounds. I'll be happy once I get married. I'll be happy once I have five children. I'll be happy once I have that wonderful job or I get that promotion. Why are you benchmarking when you can be happy when you have no guarantee that tomorrow will even come? That's dumb. But yes, I do this. So <laughs> I am that stupid person too. I recently was talking to my sister who just got a promotion and I was so proud of her, but I have felt so stagnant in my career lately that it kind of made me have success FOMO. Shouldn't I be trying to pursue harder my career then if she's getting promoted? Was my thought. 
Then I went on to Facebook, which I hadn't been on in a while, and I scrolled up and I saw a friend I had made in college who admittedly I thought his relationship was doomed to fail. Still in that relationship with now two beautiful daughters. And I had that thought. I am a 30-year-old single woman, as some lovely gentleman pointed out to me on Tinder after I rejected him. That uh, even though he was on the same app as me and older than me. I am a single 30-year-old woman. Shouldn't I have that by now? And like it got me down. Like I felt so bad. I was like, I don't have anything I thought was going to make me happy. And now I'm sad about it. Well, sweetie, that's not your life. That's not what happened. And you're living in a body where you can run and jump and dance and sing poorly, but sing. This is something that you should be still happy about. And not worry about what their life was. Because that's their life. You have so many things that you could be happy with now. Stop living in the past. And stop benchmarking what will be happiness for you. Because there will always be another goal. There will always be something that you think once you have that, it'll be enough. But enough is never enough. That's what dopamine tells you. It's it's the the neurotransmitter of more. And when you get that feeling of, I need more, I need more, I need more, when are you going to be happy? Because you could eventually get everything you've ever wanted out of your life and it might not be enough for you. Or you might lose that one thing. And so now are you miserable? That can't be what happiness is. You need to be happy now with what you have in this moment. I have friends who are able to fly off on vacations that I'm just like the drop of a hat. Whereas I don't have that kind of funds. I would love to travel. So should I be miserable just because every weekend I'm home? No, I can do things that will make me actually happy. Give me real solid gratification with long-term value without ever having to step out of my house. I think it sounds great. The next step is related to the previous step, and that is understand what control you have over hedonic adaptation. Hedonic adaptation is the idea that you have a, a, a baseline for what your state is as a person, all right? So this is what you feel as a baseline. You will always return to this. So you could win the lottery and your happiness marks might go up for a while. But after a while, you're going to adapt to having that amount of money. And then your baseline is, is it's that happiness is going to return to the baseline, which is why there's so many people who are unhappy with money. And then they think, once I have more money, then I'll be happy. And it will spike for a minute, but then it will go back to that baseline. It's also the same for those of people who get heartbroken and then their happiness goes under that baseline and they're, and they're down. But then it's going to come back up to that baseline after they, they do some healing and move on from the heartbreak. So if you understand how hedonic adaptation works, you know you can adapt to a state of being therefore you need to find a way to raise the adaptation to a neutral state that is a consistent thing every day 
right? So how would one do such a thing? Well, the very first step I think is to understand that hedonic adaptation takes about 18 months for it to fully return to the baseline. That's the first step. You understand that if you have a spike, that spike is only gonna last a little over a year, which is actually really nice for those of you who are going through heartbreak and can realize that at this point, it might feel really bad, but it does have a finish line for you to return to the baseline, okay? That's just one thing I wanna say. The other thing is the idea of adaptation is the idea that it's a one-time thing that spikes. So if we understand that we have what Dr. Daniel Amens would call micro moments in our day that we can focus on and enhance and optimize, we can raise that base level of happiness so it's a consistent higher standard of happiness every day. So when that spike returns down to our baseline, it's a higher baseline. So the things that are recommended to bring your baseline up every day and to have that consistent raise are things like what I talked about earlier, making sure you're not doing pleasure, you're getting gratification because gratification is ever adapting and gives you a consistent progress in your happiness. On top of that, they also uh, there are studies that show you should be adding variety into your life. Now, understand your brain type. For those of you who are hearing this and have a brain type three, the persistent brain, this doesn't mean you need to get rid of your entire schedule. It might mean you need to schedule something new into your week to add another element to your life. Another thing that can be done on a daily basis to raise that baseline is, how did they put it? It's recommended that you do something um, every day to recognize what you have. I guess it's like, be grateful for like what you have and to optimize on those micro moments every day of happiness, those little things. You have to understand what micro moments of happiness actually is before I can really use this as an example. I'm sorry. So a micro moment of happiness might be things like the first sip of coffee in the morning or the sunset you watch with your dog or that feeling of refreshment after a hot shower. Those little moments that are consistent things you can do every day that bring you joy, if you recognize them and really indulge in that feeling in those micro moments, you will have a higher baseline of happiness. And so when the adaptation spikes and lowers under that baseline, you're able to maintain happiness at a higher rate. There is more to it than that, but you're going to have to look up a uh, hedonic adaptation uh, in order to get deeply in there. This is already too long of an episode. I don't have time to get into all of it. So let's get, let's just quickly move on to the next one because the next one really is um, short, sweet to the point, And that is commit, baby. Stop being afraid of making a mistake. Stop waiting for someone to meet your criteria no one's perfect. No one's going to meet all of your criteria. You will eventually have to settle on someone. Matthew Hussey, the dating coach, did a, a podcast about this that I listened to that was brilliant. I loved it. He talked about how you never want to settle for someone. 
because that's dropping your standards and not being happy. But eventually you're going to have to realize that you have met someone you can build a happy life with and you need to settle on them And after you've settled on them, you can make a beautiful life with them. I think Matthew Hussey, Matthew Hussey, I don't know him personally, I can't call him Matthew. (laughs) Matthew Hussey said, create magic, which I think is like a very romanticized idea of what happens when you get into a relationship. But you can find the perfect person within your relationship. I think that's a beautiful concept and and more attainable than finding a perfect person before you're in a committed relationship. So if you want the perfect partner, the way to do that is just choosing. Choose, like commit, like, huh. I see so many people who put it off until later. Being afraid of making mistakes is making you stuck in life. You were never going to progress. You were never going to succeed because you were just stuck in this state of, I don't know, I can't do it. That. I can do it later mindset of I can fall in love later. I can commit later. I can, I can find that thing later. First of all, you don't have that guarantee of time, but if I can do it now and it can make me happy and healthy right now, why would I wait? That makes no sense to me. I see a lot of people in their early twenties saying that where they'll be like, I can do that later. But you could do it now and you could be happy. So why are you waiting? You, you think that that benchmark of once I reach that, that then it will be a good idea? That might not be around for you, hon. So earlier I talked about the idea of like don't future trip and just focus on the now. I also feel like there needs to be a healthy balance of setting goals, right? Because you still do need to have the idea that like, you know, like you're not some sort of like doped out hippie in the field being like, nothing matters, existence is futile. Like you want to be like at least a little bit looking for something to do because that gives you gratification. So what I have now as a balance for that is this next step of happiness, which is not to live in the future, but to do things now for the best possible future that I can have. Okay, so this is my last step to being happy. Oh my goodness, I need to eat something. My tummy is rumbling. All right. The last step of happiness that I think I'm going to let you know in a little bit more calm voice, a little bit more loving voice is, are you here with me? Being happy isn't easy. So you need to stop listening to well-intended biased advice on your life what don't you have a podcast where you tell people exactly how they should be living their life well yes I do but that's not exactly what I mean I'm not so much telling you you should follow these steps I'm more telling you how I'm doing it and you can pick and choose whatever you want from this but with that the idea of not listening to someone's biased advice doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to anyone ever. It's more the idea that you should look at that person's lifestyle. I mean, like my mom taught me this with food growing up. People would tell me like, it's okay to eat that. I eat like this all the time and and I'm fine. But then I would look at their lifestyle and I would see that they don't live a lifestyle that I would like to maintain. Because any choice that you make is going to affect your life. I was trying to make the best choices for the lifestyle that I wanted and theirs wasn't matching what I wanted. This also can be like when someone gives you a relationship advice. Look at their relationship. I mean like 
we all like some tea. We all know what's going on <laughs> behind someone's doors, but look at their relationship, especially if this is someone who's close to you. I have seen people who have tried to give me relationship advice and I see them henpecking their husbands. They're so mean to them. I don't want that. So I'm not going to take her dating advice because that's not someone I want to be. And I don't want a husband that is so dominated by me that I have to do that in order to get anything done. I don't, that's not the life I want. So I'm not taking any other relationship advice. Those are my steps towards happiness. And I feel like in my experience so far, along with taking the uh, supplements that I'm taking, I'm taking right now on um, the advice of Dr. Daniel Amens based on my brain type, I'm taking vitamin D and saffron, GABA, and... Um, a couple others I'll have to look up for you guys. Um, it's in like the gummy form, um, which is not like the best, but it still boosts me. And I always feel happier once I've taken those. Um, so along with those steps that I'm now taking, um, I'm going to leave you guys kind of with some parting words before I put you into the outro. Um, and that is happiness should be more than just an emotion for you. It should be a choice because the idea that happiness is your neutral state or your baseline discounts so many other valid emotions you can have that will create a more well-rounded person and to give you experiences and cherished moments with someone as well as painful emotions that can teach you something that you need to learn. It gives you empathy and it gives you perspective. So I don't think that we should ever ignore an emotion. Sometimes you have to let that emotion exist in your body and accept it for what it is so that you can let happiness back in after that emotion has been felt and has been released from you. So even though happiness is not our neutral state, it can be a goal that we set every day to end the day happy. One small micro moment of happiness at a time. I have enjoyed doing this episode with you. I hope that you got something from this. And if you have any questions or comments or feedback for me, please reach out to me. I have my Instagram linked in the description of this episode. You can let me know there exactly how you felt about what I was talking about. And if you have any goals that you're setting for your happiness, I would love to hear from you next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I've got a couple ideas. Um, I will be posting on Instagram about them. So if you would like to uh, have a say in what I do next week, uh, check out what I have to say. And uh, yeah, be happy. I will see you next Thursday. That is my goal. See ya.